Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about any issue that you might read or see or hear about, tweet, post, any of those things that you do, uh, check us out online at texaspolicy.com. We've got all our issues right there for everyone. Today we're going to look at an issue literally closer to home, and that's local government. Whether we think about it much or not, the officials who run our local governments have tremendous influence over the daily quality of our life, from your daily commute to the quality of public services, your kids' education, the crime on our streets. Local officials make really important and meaningful decisions almost every day about how our cities are run. And to help us break that down is Ellen Troxclair. Ellen is a former city council member in Austin from 2015 to 2019. I guess in her day job, I suppose, she's a small business owner in real estate and a mom of three. Ellen's position on the city council was a bit of an anomaly. She is a conservative or a right-leaning um, uh, ideology, I suppose. Um, more right-leaning approach to the purpose of government, I guess. She built a reputation as someone who was tremendously thoughtful about what the city was doing, how it was spending money, how it was taxing its citizens, and whether or not the city actually did the things that they said they were going to do, and whether citizens truly benefited uh, from that. So thank you, Ellen, for being on the show today. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. And yes, you can describe me as conservative, freedom-loving, <laughs> right-leaning, right whatever. I don't, I don't shy away from any of those things. Well, yes. then I'm going to do dig right into that whole issue because let's be honest I mean we're not even talking about you know Central Texas or even Travis County you were a city council member in Austin right uh, the bluest of the blue yes not only did you get elected to the city council uh, but then you had to be on there for four years <laughs> you know fighting these battles and being a conservative voice I guess the first question I would ask is like why why it wasn't even important for you uh, to be a part of that group and and have that voice out there you know it is something that I've gone over in my, my own mind. Like, how did I find <laughs> myself even here today talking to you and what a weird journey it has been. But it truly just started with my frustration on property taxes. My husband mm -hmm. and I had just gotten married. We were both working two jobs, trying to, you know, pinch our pennies and save money for our first home together, kind of the beginning of our American dream. We did it. Yay. And <laughs> our happiness lasted all the way up until we got our property tax bill. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was then that I just, it was the city of Austin that was going to tax us out of our home sooner mm -hmm. rather than later and increasing property taxes 8% year over year at the time, right. which, you know, we looked at each other and said, well, our salaries are not going up 8% every single year, <laughs> no matter what. So what are we going to do? And it was that, um, that frustration with a, a lack of accountability for mm -hmm. what the money was doing and where it was going that I decided I, it, it was just a, a God thing. I woke up the next day and said, well, if I can't, if I don't step up and do something about it and I have the ability to, then mm -hmm. then I don't deserve to complain. So I was certainly an underdog in that race and uh, I was <laughs> 29 at the time. So, um, but you know what? I was, I was passionate about it and ultimately won. You know, we talk a lot about accidental activists. I mean, these are yes. people that like have these experiences yes. and feel like they have to get involved. Were you were you involved at all even before you decided to run for office? I was involved in policy, yes, mm -hmm. at the state level, working as a, a staff to a state representative. But I will say that the thought of ever running for office myself had truly never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. In fact, it completely terrified me. I hated public speaking. I was very happy to be the person in the back of the room, you know, doing the research or writing the speech, but never, never, ever 
never ever wanted to be the one giving it so mm-hmm. um and that's why i'm so big today you know upon reflection over the last 10 years or so is is the need to just take action when you mm-hmm. when when you feel that frustration or you feel whatever it is because that initial decision of kind of putting myself out there mm-hmm. and running for office even though i worried that i you know wasn't qualified enough or i didn't know enough or i wasn't old enough or i didn't have the right political science degree or all these <laughs> other things that we you know that we think you have to have to run for office that decision not only ultimately impacted property taxes for the city of Austin, but went on to help pass statewide property tax reform mm-hmm. along with CPPF, um, wrote a book, then ran for state representative, now hopefully can be a part of, you know, further, further property tax reform mm-hmm. at the state level. So it just, it, it started, um, it, it started just a, a, a process of, a lot of doing good for mm-hmm. for my community, not just my family and my community, but hopefully Texas as a whole. And so I want other people to be inspired by that and not let their own kind of fears or their own perceived shortcomings to get in their way of just taking action. And that was 2015, it's 2022, yep. and we're still dealing with the property tax <laughs> issues. So we're making incremental progress, yes, right? Yes. Uh, you know, and we're we're keeping telling people, look, you know, enough with these gimmicks, right? Like at the local level, yes. especially like you know, oh, it didn't rise as much as we said it might rise. So that's a cut you know right. those kinds of things we are keeping to telling people uh you know if you don't pay less than what you paid the year before then that's an increase that's right my my favorite tip to tell taxpayers is to look for the word rate after mm-hmm. somebody claiming that they lowered your taxes did they lower your tax rate or did they lower the actual dollar amount that you spent because you know you can lower the tax rate and mm-hmm. still owe more money next uh, sure. next if time and if so your housing appraisal goes up that's right yeah exactly so th- that's the the politician's favorite trick is to claim during election season that they that they <laughs> lowered taxes by reducing the tax rate so it's not true exactly how much did you, what did you pay last year what did you pay this year that's how you figure that out um, so property taxes, we've talked about a little bit, but what else? Um, you know, as a, as a conservative, did you did you bring, you know, conservative issues to the council necessarily? Like what was your uh, primary focus or, you know, some of the, the top issues that you Sure. You I mean, about? I think just efficient and effective spending was really, I, I knew that coming in as a conservative and an extremely liberal council that um, I, that, that winning on social issues was not going to be, right. <laughs> was not going to have an, a happy outcome because I wouldn't get anywhere, but I did, I did want to be effective. And I, I, I try to be a good mix of, um, principled and knowing what I believe and why I believe those things, but also building relationships with the colleagues that I can, even if we don't agree on everything so that I can actually be effective and pass some things and, right. and make some difference. And so that's really what I focused on, um, was, was the property tax issues, the spending issues. Um, I ended up being the chair of audit and finance. So I built, built a good rapport with the city auditor mm-hmm. um, and kind of our, our shared passion for digging into specific city programs. Um, and ultimately, again, was successful in those things. I passed the city's first homestead exemption, which lowered the the, prop, the appraised value and therefore the actual dollar amount that uh, people pay on their homestead exemption. So lowering property taxes for people in Austin. Uh, we passed a... Uh, a taxpayer impact statement, hmm. which is exactly what you said. What it was a one-page sheet 
that says, here's what your taxes were last year. Here's what all the city fees were. So electric fees, trash fees, things like that. There's a community service fee. So I wanted on one page, a very easy to understand thing that taxpayers could see, okay, this is what I paid this last year. This is what the city is proposing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is still in use today. And I've, I have found it very helpful, even though I have since moved out of the city of Austin. <laughs> so even that, that transparency issue, right? Yes. I mean, even just, you didn't necessarily have the ability to, to fix property taxes or to fix right. the big issues, but at the very least make them transparent so that people can get as mad as you are about, yeah, about right. some of these issues. Because you can't, if you don't have the information that you need, then you can't, then you can't be, mm-hmm. be an activist or not. You don't know what it, what needs to change, right? You're just complaining right. about what is you're frustrated about what is, but you need the information to actually fight it. As important as these issues are, they're not necessarily what people would consider to be the sexy issues. I no, mean, we talk a lot no. to, to the activists and they're, you know, as angry as they get at president Biden, or they, you know, want to, want to retweet the funny meme over Kamala Harris. The reality is that when you walk out of your house every day, 90% of the things that actually make you angry or or affect whether or not, you know, you're going to get to work on time or your kid's going to get a good education or you're going to be able to afford that vacation really happen at the local level. Mm -hmm. So were you, did anything surprise you? Were you just kind of overwhelmed? I'm not overwhelmed is not the right word, but were you surprised um, at how much influence local governments have over really our daily lives oh i mean absolutely the i mean first of all the city has a budget of four billion dollars with a b which is just mind-boggling in and of itself it's probably closer to 4.5 by now um they own the they own austin energy they provide your trash serve i mean it's Mm -hmm. just things like things as basic as when i pay my electric bill i first of all expect my lights to come on and second of all, I expect the money that I paid to go to pay for my light turning on, not for funding, you know, drag queen shows at the local library, mm-hmm. which is why the city of Austin does some funny math right. and diverts a lot of that money to whatever else they want to do with the city budget. And so it just takes, a, but it, but it's hard, again, it's hard to understand. And so you just have to be willing to kind of put the work in, but it absolutely affects every part of your daily lives. And I, I hope that, um, liberty-minded people in particular, it's, it is an easy way to really make a big impact on what goes on in mm-hmm. your community is getting involved at your city council, your school board, or your county commissioners. So you're just a very positive person by nature. <laughs> um, and I know you always look on the bright side of things, but did you ever, I mean, to that point you just made, were you ever discouraged at the lack of people, you know, either the lack of total people that would show up to some of these hearings to be heard or to talk, or even the lack of people that would show up to, to kind of have your approach to things. And sure. it was more of the big government types, you know, walking in with their hand out versus folks who, who wanted more of the liberty minded. Yes, yes. It was, I, I uh, was quoted in the paper one time as saying, you know, from the dais after hours and hours of testimony on one side of the issue and I voted on the other side. I said, I, you know, I, I respect the, the people in this room and their right to kind of give their two cents. But I have to remember that a lot of my constituents, by the way, this is at the end of a, a you know, a 12 hour meeting that started at 10 AM and is ending in the, in the sometimes the wee hours of the morning. A lot of my constituents, they're dropping kids off at school. They're going mm-hmm. to work. They're doing, making dinner. Like they're, they, so I represented those people too. The people mm-hmm. who didn't have 10 hours to come and sit at city hall. Right. And they just trusted that the person who they voted for 
as their city council member when I told them that I was frustrated right. the, uh, that I was running on these things that I would actually follow through on those. Why things. do they do? Why is it the why is it the marathon hours? Are there do they only? I mean, honestly, I I don't know enough about it it's, probably, and I probably should. What's the point of the marathon? You know, nine you know two hundred and nineteen issues, and people have to sit there for ten hours. They can't space it out and let people know ahead of time. That um, no, it it is a structural issue that is wrong with the way that the city of Austin okay. runs their meetings, and it and it is pretty uh, it is a pretty unique problem to Austin. Other big cities tend to be able to get their business done in a shorter amount of time. So I would say probably a. <laughs> Well, it's probably due to a lot of a lot of things, but certainly that is. I mean, nobody makes good decisions at two a.m. in the morning after being on the dais right. for however many hours. Or and how so convincing is, is somebody who's been sitting there for ten hours going to be when they finally get their two minutes? Right. You know, or whatever it is, five minutes now. I'm not, um, well. And, and okay, this actually leads me to uh, just another point that I want to bring up. I was constantly, you know, I had people email me, of course, and um, say, hey, I want to, I'm, I'm not happy with the direction of the city, but I'm, I don't know what to do to make a difference. I don't know how to get involved. And, and honestly, as much as yes, you should go down to your, you should get to know your city council members and you should speak your, for your three minutes and all of that. How could I look a uh, busy young professional mom in the eye and tell her that the best way that she can make a difference <laughs> is to come to city hall in the middle of the day for yeah. hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. to give her three minutes to talk for three minutes to a council that is going to completely ignore what she says um and that that is ultimately what led me to write my book step up how to advocate like woman after i got off council because i was like i i felt like i owed those people a, a better guide for how to get involved. And and ultimately, of course, I, I think the ultimate way to do that is to, to run for office. And the easiest way for us to change the direction of of policy at the city level, at the state level, at the at the national level is not to just show up and give our our three minutes, but mm. to actually elect people and be pe- be people who are gonna now you don't have be to be right on the issues. You don't have to run over your shameless plug. This is my podcast. I can no, no, let no. you do whatever you want. <laughs> tell them, tell the people again the name of the book and give uh, us give us. You pr- I didn't mean to. I didn't mean for it to be a shameless plug, but like no. that's why I, I I felt like I owed it. So yes, the book is Step Up: How to Advocate Like a Woman, and it and it really is a, a guidebook. Um, and I should have said how to advocate like a woman and why men are essential allies because it's not something just for women, but um, I wanted, I, w- I was always looked at as this anomaly, this young conservative woman that mm. was, was ran and was successful in this big liberal city. And I didn't, I mean, still today, I don't feel like there's anything that special about me. It's just that I, 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 I did it, you know, mm-hmm. I did it once and I keep pushing myself outside the comfort zone, um, comfort zone because I, I find results when I do it. And so, um, well, that was te- it's a guide for it to, to inspire others and then a, a guidebook on how to do it. I, I'm not sure if this is ex- we're very close. If, if 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 women aren't a majority of the of the members who work at TPPF, <laughs> um, it's very close. And so I know a lot of young uh, conservative women in yes. Austin, in Travis yes. County. As and I fact. just I just got tired of the left <laughs> speaking for me all the time. You know, the left mm-hmm. always claims to be the the party of women or say, well, women believe this, women believe that. And they certainly don't represent me. So I just mm-hmm. I, that was my little stand of of, you know you don't represent me and here's why. So. That's right. Um, we are talking, of course, with uh, Ellen Troxclair, former city council member in the city of Austin, who was a bit of an anomaly, conservative on the city yes. council. But we're talking today about the influence of local government and kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit about what goes on um, on the council. Um, and speaking of stands, 
Uh, one of your big initiatives, uh, well, actually, I should probably say one of the more, well, I wouldn't say the more egregious because there's so many egregious things, so many yeah. egregious ordinances uh, in the city of Austin, but one that definitely captivated uh, the nation and one that uh, you know captivated uh, folks around here was, was I guess, why don't you take us through this ordinance that essentially outlawed lemonade stands? Oh, well, there was just a whole, it was just standard, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I realized this is because one day on the dais, we had a resolution for for lemonade day. And at first I thought, okay, great, we're just, you know, recognizing, encouraging kids to sell lemonade. Well, when I read into it further, I realized that the city of Austin was graciously, for this one day only, waiving permitting requirements and fees for kids who wanted to sell lemonade from their front lawn. And I just thought, oh my God, Gosh, we have a we have a regulation and a permitting fee for lemonade stands, and so I, I um, of course immediately drafted an ordinance that would uh, that would get rid of the permits and fees, and I thought that it would be one of the easier things that I did on city council. I, you know, who, who, who can be against letting kids sell right. lemonade? Um, well, you better believe that the health department was mm. in my office saying. Well, you know, we can't just have pe- people willy-nilly selling things out there. And if and if you're going to allow lemonade stands, you have to make sure it's all store-bought. This was their big sticking point. Mm-hmm. No opened I- no homemade items, no opened items, only closed store-bought items. I'm like, "So, you want to teach kids about being entrepreneurs by selling store-bought lemonade like this is not this is not a good way this is not a good good yeah. good and, and by the way you want them to all sell it on the very same day right, right. yeah exactly uh, this is this creating is not all a, that competition uh, yeah and i exactly. could see if they were say, you know if they were saying look that the austin water is not drinkable so yes. don't don't use no. that yeah no uh, yeah exactly which which uh yeah that happens sometimes but we're talking too. about water Lemons and sugar. Yes. No, right. and they said, well, yeah. if something was contaminated, if somebody got sick, we wouldn't be able to trace back who was the original contamination point. And because I just, they would sue the lemonade stand. I just, I just, I mean, I just, lo- I just about lost it because I was fighting this battle behind the scenes while everyone thought, and even my other council, I will tell you, even my other council members and the mayor at one point, you know, said, well, you're you're embarrassing Austin. I said, I'm, I'm embarrassing Austin. I'm just not sure that we're, I'm not sure that we're saying, seeing things through the same lens. So, uh, well, about what the embarrassing thing is. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, so ultimately it did pass, I think 11 to zero and now uh, children can sell lemonade in their front yard without permission from the city of Austin. Uh, and it led the Texas legislature to follow suit as well. And, and Texas passed a bill that, um, I think outlawed uh, charging kids fees for for lemonade stands. Well, so, I'm glad yay. that had a positive re- um, positive resolution. I do want to get we you know we are a think tank, Texas Public Policy Foundation. So uh, and we do have an agenda, and we like to talk about particularly at, at local government. We have a very robust agenda for local government. One of the things I want to talk about um, uh, um, uh, that w- that we're advocating for, and I was curious at how this might work on a, in a in a um, uh, in an organization like the Austin City Council is this idea of efficiency audits, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so I think when people think of audits, they think of, you know, well, lots of cities do audits, you know, they, or the state does an audit. But what, what you find out is that the all the audit is, is they just tell you how much money they allocated and whether or not the money got spent. Right. But nobody ever actually talks about did it actually achieve the thing that it was intended to achieve? Because that's the way it's sold. It's sold. Oh, we need all this money for homelessness or we need all this money for education improvement and all of that. But but then the audit, all it does is say, 
says, how much did you get and did it go somewhere? That's right. This is called a performance audit or an efficiency audit, which, which actually looks deeper in not just how the money is spent, but whether or not it had the intended effect. Did you deal with those kinds of issues oh, yeah. uh, on the council oh, yeah. and kind of what was your experience there? So yeah, there, this is a very important d difference to understand is that these financial audits that you hear about generally are truly just a ledger money in, money out. Um, but what taxpayers want to know is, did we get a return on our investment and how can we do better? And that's that should be the goal of every elected official too, right? It shouldn't be partisan I mean, either, it's, right? It should not be a partisan issue. As as a as an elected official, I want I have a great responsibility of spending other people's money and I want to make sure that I'm doing it responsibly and, and and letting them keep as much of their money, their own money as I can. So um the of of course the the city unfortunately pushed back on that idea when we tried to get it passed at the council level um and and kind of also defeated it at the ballot which was shocking to me mm -hmm. but i would say most reasonable people agree that that a once in a while audit of whether or not you're getting the intended results for your programs is 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 a worthwhile proposition um i one of my favorite things that would have come up in the efficiency efficiency audit if we had done it is uh oil changes so the city has a huge number of fleet like cars you know three mm -hmm. i don't even remember the number first of all they buy car new cars every two years new every cars, two every two two, two to three years Good luck in the car um, now. so yeah i don't i don't certainly do that in with my own money uh and <laughs> and in the meantime they get oil checks every you know few months to make sure that they're performing well peak performance well those oil checks it turns out cost taxpayers three times more than it would have if we because we did it in-house with a city employee doing the oil changes instead of just having somebody a, a third party conduct oil changes for us like why is the city of austin in the business of oil changes right. May, it might make sense if it was going to save you money sure, and so yeah. the the my uh, you know i was always fresh <laughs> keep using this word frustrated, but it was very frustrating being on the Austin <laughs> City Council. I can't, you know, there's just no way around, way around it. Hey, you asked um, for it. I know, you know, you I, know. What you were I signed into. up for it. Um, and I'm very glad I did. But uh, a lot of times when you talk to big government people, they say, well, you either have to, and even in our budget sessions, our budget officer would explain, you know, either you want to spend more money and get more services, better services, or you want to cut the budget and cut services mm -hmm. and it was a constant my constant refrain was no you can find efficiencies like making sure that we get oil changes at a reasonable price from right. a third party you still you're not you're not that doesn't mean that you're never going to get oil changes on your city fleet again like it's just <laughs> and and so that that you just want cars running around without oil changes no, it's just not, yeah and that's that? that and that's always what it turns into <laughs> yeah, right if you want right. to cut the budget that means you want to cut cut parks or cut police officers yeah. or cut uh no, libraries five hundred dollar oil change li exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. it seems like something we can all be on board on so I, I do think that the efficiency audit we passed the, the state of Texas mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong but the mm -hmm. uh, state of Texas passed an efficiency audit for school districts yes. um, last session and I think it could be a really useful tool honestly for for responsible cities I would want to take that I would voluntarily do that right mm -hmm. again because 
And again, the efficiency audit doesn't even require the city to, to do, do anything. anything. It just even says, here's they, what you could do better. It, exactly. And, and, and adds that level of transparency yeah. and accountable, accountability so that voters know exactly what they're voting for when they keep voting these folks back in yeah. year after and year. And I will year. just say, homeless, I mean, what, what a world of difference that would make if we could do an efficiency audit, audit on homeless programs in these big cities. Absolutely. Because there's never any response to how much money will it take to fix this issue, right? It's mm-hmm. always just, well, we need more, 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 and more, more, more money, and we keep pouring more money into it, and it, yet it seems like there is never even a dent made. So we could do an entire yes. whole other podcast <laughs> issue. I think it's the whole thing I is could, just a major grift, and we yes. could get into all of that. We'll have to have uh, you back to talk maybe about your experience about that with um, with with one of our researchers, Michelle Steve. I will to, to, to end on a positive note here because I always want to look forward. It, you know, so magic wonton. Right, like mm-hmm. magic wand, mm-hmm. uh, specifically about either how the the council operates. Um, wh- what do you think you would change um, that that you think would be a, a substantive change, either operationally or substantively, uh, that would that would work to better serve the community? Oh man, this is a really good question that you just <laughs> sprang on me. Um, you could have multiple. I mean, this isn't a magic genie. You don't just get three. You, you know, know what? If you got a few. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the list would go on for a long time. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> I, but I would say I think that there is a lot of room for improvement in the way that Austin Energy is handled and the way that money is taken from the energy and the water company to support the city budget. Uh, that would go a long way. An efficiency audit, like we just talked about, that would go such mm-hmm. a long way in making sure that programs are doing what they say they should do. Um, we should have a better, we should have more limits on the city council meetings. I mean, maybe that they, they, they pass more bad policy every time, every time they get (laughs) together, you know, so maybe they don't need to meet every week for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, just, just the, it's, and then, of course, you always have the issue of the staff have been there for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, the, and sometimes as, as council members, they know, they know that they can outlast the council members. So you just really have to be willing to dig <laughs> into the details. Sure. Yes. Um, and ultimately, last but, very, but definitely not least, we just need more good common sense people to step up and run for, the, for these offices because mm-hmm. it always seems like an unattainable, far away, really hard thing. Um, and I, I would say that if we got more people to, to do it, we could really change yeah. our cities for the better. Definitely. I would love to see more people, you know, if I had the magic wand, definitely get more people involved in these issues. Yeah. Um, it seems like we just have a ton of focus on the national yep. level on a lot of things because they're on the, you know, the news all the time or because we want to blog or tweet about it or whatever. Um, and, and, and meanwhile, we're, we're ignoring some of the biggest issues, right? Literally outside yeah. of our, our doorsteps. I mean, your vote, your vote, voice and your vote carry so much more weight just from a numerical perspective at the local level right mm-hmm. so i mean just just one person being that voice the, the squeaky wheel the squeaky wheel always gets the grease at the local level <laughs> and uh you, you could be that squeaky wheel so we need some freedom loving squeaky wheels <laughs> to show up uh well this has been a real joy ellen troxler is my guest of course she's a former city council member uh here in austin she was there from 2015 to 2019 talking to us about peeling back the curtain on uh, local government and how important it is that that people pay attention to what's going going on down there. Ellen, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome. And if anybody wants to, to connect with me on anything else, you can find mm-hmm. me on social media at Ellen Troxclair uh, or on my website, which is ellentroxclair.com. I love the shameless plug. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so connect with Ellen uh, and, th- and thank you for listening. Appreciate you listening today. <laughs>